In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen, and today I'm very excited about my guest. I'm joined by comedian Whitney Cummings. Whitney is a stand-up comedian, actress, writer, director, and producer. You might know her from her hilarious comedy specials, Comedy Central Roasts, and her podcast, Good For You. Welcome to DST, Whitney. My goodness, good to see you. How's everything? Good to see you. Things are great. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. I'm very excited to talk to you. I mean, we've met before. I know. Ages I know. ago. How long ago was that? That must have been, when did Betches, like the second book, I want to say, maybe came out? So, uh, I don't I don't know dates. Like 2016, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't either. I have to say like years ago because yeah. I was dying to kind of figure out with you guys, I think, how to make it a television show. Yeah. So before you came out, I was like, I'm going to ask her, does she remember meeting? Of course. Like, and it wasn't just like casually on the street, like we had a meeting. <laughs> no, I went into your office. I was so impressed by y'all. I was so obsessed with like just everything that you Thanks. were doing. Uh, I got in a fight at the gym once because <laughs> I was reading the second book. And I was underlining it and like writing notes and stuff. And I would like, leave oh, wow. it. this was in New York. And I left it on a bench where you do like sit ups or something because I was going to go and come right back. And someone's like, ma'am, you can't just leave your stuff everywhere. And I was like, this is the Betches book. We're going to make an animated show. This is a textbook. I know. I'm making notes. <laughs> I like got in a fight with someone at the gym because really I funny. was I couldn't put the book down. Yeah. Well, we can we still have the rights, so we can still do it. I think we wanted to do an animated show of it. Am I yes, wrong? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was an animated show, but there was like so many people that were attached to it over the years and then it just kind of like fizzled. Yeah. And so, but I think we can we can talk on the side. Welcome like, to really Hollywood, funny. baby. Yeah. It was exciting while it lasted for six years. <laughs> so how are you? You have so many things going on. You have a special, you have an amazing podcast. I love all the clips you do on Instagram too oh, of gosh. them. You just did this like great interview, which I want to talk about. Um, with Ashley Graham, you opened up, I saw a clip of it on TikTok and I was like, wait a minute, about like codependency, which I want to talk about. And I was like, I'm codependent. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> this clip seems to really have resonated with a lot of people. And, um, you know, I've talked about codependence for a long time. I remember, remember when Lena Dunham had that website, Lenny Letter? Yeah, yeah. Like I wrote a little blurb on it back then about codependence. And I remember being like, is anyone going to care about this? Like, is this right. too esoteric? Like, yeah, it really like blew my mind because you said this in the thing that I thought it was just like, it has to do with like couples who just like need each other. And you said that's not really necessarily it. So like attaching this word to a definition to something that I thought was like actually good about myself. Like I thought these were like qualities that made me like an intense empath, 
right? Like I yes. like, oh, because like I know times when like specifically like if somebody like feels left out of something, I feel bad about it for like three full days. So <laughs> this is of, it. Like okay. it's crazy. So basically codependence, it's thrown around exactly. Like people that just can't stop hanging out together or attached at the hip, that can be a form of codependence. But codependence is usually defined by our inability to tolerate the discomfort or the perceived discomfort of others, you know? So we're the ones we self-deprive. We're the ones that make huge meals for everyone and then we just eat the scraps at the end, you know? Um, We think that we define our value and we basically get our self-esteem through how useful we are to other people. We have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, right? And because growing up, we probably, you know, we're very precocious. We probably had to do more, you know, take on adults' emotions. If there was a lot of emotions in the house and you realize like, oh, for me to have needs, it's just going to make everyone more stressed out. You know, if you're second, third or fourth kid in the house or if there were big feelings or fightings or divorce or whatever, where it was like, okay, mom's crying or dad's upset. But like, if I say I'm hungry, everyone's, you know, it's just everything's going to get worse. Or there were histrionic reactions in the house because we're the first generation that's even examining our behavior. Like it's radical. It's it. This is all stuff we got, honestly, alcoholism in our country. And we say for alcoholism to be present, alcohol does not have to be present. Alcohol is just defined by doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result or basically when you cease to have a choice in your behavior. So it's like you and I, we go every night and we have a glass of wine, right? And Mm -hmm. But if I have four glasses and I can't stop, even if I want to, we define that as an addiction. It's where something makes your life unmanageable. So when I go into Al-Anon or ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, which is basically, again, alcoholism is just a compulsive behavior. It could have been you grew up in a home with compulsive decorating, compulsive gift giving, compulsive entertaining. We we grew up around a lot of that. But that's what we saw. I mean, that's Britney Spears and Mariah Carey. Yeah. Um, But like we grew up a lot around like women. The home has to be perfect. The food has to be perfect. You have to show up with a gift, you know. But you perfectly stated why this is so insidious and why it can be so um, confusing because when you're a sort of a wildly unrecovered codependent where you're putting yeah. everyone else's needs before your own, obsessing about what other people think, how they feel. You're always trying to, you know, anticipate everybody's needs, take care of everybody else, fix everybody else. You're like, well, I'm just kind of like an amazing person. Like, right, I don't know right. what you like. I'm like Mother Teresa. Like, what are you fucking I talking about? I think I'm about? just like <laughs> the best. And what you don't realize is that because it's so rewarded, it's so, you know, um, Uh, everyone sees you as such a good person. But at the end of the day, chances are, if you're doing it from a codependent perspective, or if that's your, you know, background of, is that you're keeping score, you're resentful, you know, you're doing, you're doing things out of of obligation and not because you want to do them. So you're self-depriving, you're putting everybody else before you, right? And it, it makes you angry and it makes you stressed out. It makes you panicky. It's not healthy for anyone. We say people pleasing is a form of assholery, right? Because we're the, we're the codependents of the people that are pathologically thoughtful, but then you know, we give so much and have so little left that by the time it's like, I've driven you to the airport. I got you a dip tea candle. I, I connected you with that doctor that you needed. I did all this. I did all this stuff that you could have done for yourself because you're an adult. But I had to right. offer and do it all because I wanted you to like me. And basically the whole subtitle of that is I don't think I'm enough. So I'm going to do all this stuff for you. 
so that you think that I'm worth having in your life. So you won't abandon me. So you'll need me. That's one little motive. But then it's also a little bit insulting because I'm going, I know you couldn't possibly handle this. <laughs> Let me take care of it. That's right. also what we're doing, which we don't realize is like this pathological kindness. I realized later like, oh, with people that are struggling in relationships or substance abuse or eating disorder stuff or whatever's going on in their life, like when you solve other people's problems for them, number one, it makes you resentful. And my guess is you have enough on your plate, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And when we solve problems for others, we rob them of the dignity of their own experience. And it's actually patronizing to them. It's insulting to them, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you can handle this, you know? It's like, so we think we're helping when we're not always helping and we nice isn't always nice. So I think we're in such a society where we are told is nice, sometimes can just be really um, toxic and entrenched and not adult. And that's what this program is all about, getting in your adult and going, okay, before I solve a problem, I'm going to make sure it's my problem instead of because otherwise we're kind of just meddling, you know, Mm -hmm. like you couldn't possibly do that yourself. I'll do it for you. Right. It's kind of (laughs) insulting to everybody. You know, it steals our serenity, but it is also a way that we um, for the science nerds out there, it's 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 an addiction just like alcohol, drugs, but it's not a substance. Sometimes it's the internal drug cabinet of adrenaline, cortisol also known as just drama. You know, I found myself in my 20s only being friends with people that were messes, dating guys that were drug addicts and, you know, wait, you're separated or you're divorced? Just I I could (laughs) walk into a room and the most toxic vibration of a person, the most broken, lowest credit score, just I would be magnetically attracted to that person um, because Mm -hmm. I needed someone who was super broken. (laughs) To clean up so that I didn't have to think about myself so I could recreate that cycle of self-deprivation. You know, it was like I was, you know, trying to teach my guys I was dating kids how to read. (laughs) But I hadn't been to the dentist in four years. (laughs) Oh, this is all, you know, hitting home. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. 
Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So based on everything you're saying, like I feel like you've done a lot of like personal development work, aka like have gone to a lot of therapy. Like at one point, like are you learning, doing all of this for your own personal development or is it like also so that there's you have more comedy to sort yeah. of like talk through like talk to me like about like the, your sure your history couple of reasons because also i think that therapy is now sort of like really in the zeitgeist of there's better help there promo code whitney um there's also there's <laughs> promo code but, dst I mean, <laughs> whitney <laughs> the whole rest of <laughs> so for me, like therapy is a, you know, every something is works differently for everyone. Therapy was actually very hard for me for a long time because I found myself as an unrecovered codependent having a very hard time in therapy because my biggest goal before I got into recovery for codependence, which it sounds bigger than it is. It's not that big of a deal. I go to 12 step meetings. They're just like AA meetings or a bunch of really cool, super successful, awesome people that are just like, you know, I need to right. stop apologizing when I've done nothing wrong. You know, it can be that granular, that simple. Mm-hmm. Of like, why am I still in this relationship with this person that treats me like a doormat? Why do I still, you know, right. find myself, you know, martyring myself for my sister? Why am I still moving my sister out of her third marriage? She can do it herself. You know, like those right. very granular things or, you know, mom stuff. Don't have, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Like, why am I <laughs> caretaking my mother's feelings? Like, can I, how do I set boundaries with my mom or my dad? It's just very simple stuff that makes you a superhero at work, a superhero in your relationships and a super leader. Because, you know, women right now, if you're going to be a boss of whether it's two people or 2000 people, you cannot take on everyone's emotions all the time. And you have to really know your motives and you can't try to solve everyone else's problems. You have to let them you have to be able to delegate, you have to be able to delineate, and you have to know when to let go and be flexible because codependents, we tend to be perfectionists because growing mm-hmm. up, if we were just perfect, everything would be smooth. We increased our chances of things being safe. So right. perfection and control is something we tend to be very addicted to, which employees love. <laughs> they just absolutely They are it. obsessed Give me with more. it. <laughs> yeah. So there's times where you have to go like, okay, and and this program called Al-Anon, which is completely free. It's free medicine. It's not therapy per se, but it's you can go whenever you want. Million, You can go on Zoom, meet, whatever. So for me, therapy, this whole thing of like every Thursday at 4 p.m., you have to leave at 2 p.m. to drive two hours to get to this therapist where it's a $6 valet parking and it's $300 a session. <laughs> and right 50 minutes in, it's like, bing, we're done. I'm like, it just didn't work for me. It made me more stressed out in the beginning. I didn't find a therapist I liked. So I was really just 
starting in um, these Al-Anon rooms. And that was really helping me because I hit a rock bottom a little bit as a boss too. Like I, I was all of a sudden out of nowhere, a boss of like, you know, many, many people. And I found myself you know, feeling guilty when someone did something for me. I found myself Mm -hmm. getting coffee for the person that's supposed to get everyone else coffee. You know, (laughs) I found myself like, I'm the boss and I'm like, do you need anything? Are you okay? Is Stevie okay? Or do you want, do you want sweet and low? We have people. (laughs) That's not good for you. Actually, you know what? You should really do monk fruit. Like I found myself being obsessed with um, the, you know, uh, happiness of others to the detriment of myself. And the irony is when we put everyone else first, they lose because we're resentful, we're tired, we're hungry, we're angry, we're lonely, and we're not the best version of ourselves, you know? But we did that. We're the ones that victimized ourselves. We're the ones that put ourselves in that situation. We're the ones that teach people how to treat us. So, you know, I came into into this going like, why is everyone making me do everything? Why do I have to do everything all the time? How come like nobody, you know, is grateful that I'm doing all this stuff? It's like all this stuff you did, no one asked you to do that. You Mm -hmm. martyred yourself. You are the one. Why does everyone always call me when they need a a good doctor referral? Because you're the one (laughs) that a minute into a conversation, you're worried the person doesn't like you. So you have to be useful to them. And you're like, oh, do you have a good doctor out here? Do you want me to help you? Yeah, give me like you're trying to entrench with people and you're Mm -hmm. trying to help people that don't need help because you're too afraid they won't like you otherwise. Like and you really kind of like break it down. Like, what is your motive for this? You know, so. That's something that I think as women, we really exhaust ourselves anyway, trying to make sure people don't think we're bitchy. Well, not y'all. You guys, I bet you guys don't have to worry about that at all. But, you know, you have it. It's on the sign before you come in. Like there's well, it's, no, an, it's an E, not an I. Really, really set the expectations. So I think that as women, it's really hard for us to just very simple things. And I see a lot of friends of mine that I want to win. I want you to run the world. But if you can't tell someone that works for you, hey, can you go do that thing? Thanks. Without going, was that bitchy? Wait, was that too mean? Mm. Or having done so much stuff yourself that someone else is supposed to do for you. So by the time they come, you're like, oh, no, I did it. I got it. It's fine. Which is mm-hmm. indirect, unfair communication. It's resentful. It's, it's so I grew up in a home where no one said what they meant ever. It was always yeah. like, I'm fine. No, things are good. No, this is great. Yeah, no, it's good. And then there would be like an explosion. But there was always this like tension of like, mm-hmm. we're all going to be really nice to each other, even though we all secretly hate each other. And no one knew where they stood. I never knew how anyone was feeling. It made me doubt my own reality, made me feel crazy, you know, because kids, yeah. you don't, kids can't blame their parents. It's too, it's, it doesn't even occur to them. So you go, well, I must be wrong. You know, I must be crazy. I must be unlovable, whatever it is. It's all boring. Mm-hmm. Get to the bottom of it so you can move on and take over the world. And, but it's these tiny, like granular things. Like, like when you, let's say you've got, um, this is one of the first thing I, things I would ask someone that was just newly coming into this program, which is, um, if you have a meeting at four o'clock uptown and it's going to take half an hour to get there, what time do you leave? Forty-five minutes before. <laughs> okay, I love that. So you leave. Okay, forty-five minutes before, but it usually takes about a half an hour. Yeah, I would need to just. I have to account for all of the possibilities of being late. <laughs> see, that's a very that's see. New Yorkers are a little ahead of the game in a lot of ways. It's just like I don't know, a pipe might burst well, on the way. Well, here's the thing. I don't not to bring this back to my childhood, but my Please. mom is terrible at like time management. She still like cannot do it. So like I was always at the end of that, like being like picked up from like all of my activities. Like I would quit them because I like couldn't handle it. So like now I'm just really intense about like time. And if I'm really if I'm late to something, I apologize for it for a whole month. (laughs) 
But so then you go, what's going on that when you apologize, you feel like you need to apologize again? Uh, because it wasn't enough the first time they didn't hear me. They thought it was just like a like a fake apology, you know, like, no, but I genuinely am sorry. But I'm with you. I do like but that's important because you go, OK, what's up with that? When I'm late, which, by the way, I, I it, it is so much harder on us than it is on them. I feel like. Yeah. It's so yeah. much hard. Like when someone's late to me because I've been in recovery so long and I know that they have what I used to have with the lateness thing, they show up. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, this is so much worse on you than it is. I'm fine. I got to return five emails. Like yeah. I'm okay, but I know that you're going <laughs> to ruin stressed. your whole. Yeah. So two things helped me with that. Number one, I did realize that I had a smidgen of OCD. I don't want to get rid of all my OCD. A lot of it serves me very well. I think we're in this place, this very black and white thinking of like, I have anxiety. I have OCD. I need to get rid of all of it. It's like, well, some anxiety is probably really helpful. It'll help you, yeah. you know, maybe get out of that job that you don't want to be in anymore. Make you realize that partner's not right for you. Make you realize like, you know, if there's danger. You want to go up. Oh, anxiety is usually pretty helpful, you know? So mm -hmm. what amount of it is actually going to be beneficial? And then how much is a liability? It's same to me with the OCD thing. You know, I was like, I was asked, you know, everyone to put me on all these medications and stuff. And I was like, well, some of it really works. Like some of this has benefited <laughs> me. I think, you know, a lot right. of the things we tend to over pathologize, like in certain doses actually can be superpowers, you know? And I think that women, we have all these superpowers. We have like super hearing. I'm, we have, you know, I made a movie about this. So, I'm, you know, I, I'll just blow through it. But um, <laughs> hypervigilance, our hypersensitivity, all that stuff is why as a species we proliferated. We are incredibly sensitive and it's a superpower. But now we're being pathologized for it. Like mm -hmm. I'm anxious. I, I, I'm an insomniac. I'm too sensitive. It's like these are all things that is, you know, in the wild kept us from getting eaten by lions. And now just because we live in apartment buildings, people are like, you're crazy. Calm down. You know, so I think that sort of trying to figure out, okay, what is nature? What is nurture? What did I inherit? What did I see and get programmed with? You know, like, like similar to you, I grew up with a mom that um, was very busy and I feel really lucky that she worked. I got to see yeah, a mom that same. worked, but she was so frazzled all the time because she was juggling so much. You know, we come from parents that moms that either didn't get to work, which is mm -hmm. like heartbreaking that, you know, some of our moms had dreams that they weren't allowed to you know, they're just home drinking rosé and taking Xanax in a corset or whatever the hell that that nightmare was while their husbands cheated in the city. What is this revolutionary road? Yeah, I, I was just I watched Mad Men like a couple months ago. You definitely just watched something. I'm so mad at everyone after watching that. You definitely just watched something. <laughs> Did you watch? Someone just watched Maravie's Town. And then I'm just pulling random shows. Or you saw a mom. At that time, all of us, you know, our parents' parents came from the three martini lunch. All of our parents were raised at least by alcoholics or people shut down from wars. Or The ancestral trauma is the other part of this where you look into your ancestry and go, okay, this is what my ancestors went through. It got epigenetically imprinted on me and I'm carrying some guilt. I'm carrying some shame. I'm carrying this thing where I think I have to people please everyone. I have to walk on eggshells. I have to shape shift, you know, like... When I'm talking to you, I have to act like this. When I'm talking to you, I have to act like this. When I'm talking to you, I'm a hardcore Democrat. When I talk to you, I don't know. Should we raise taxes? Like, you just are like, I will be whoever you want me to be. Or, you know, with guys. Like, oh, you like goth girls? Here we go. Let's go get the, you know, I'm wearing black lipstick now. Kourtney Kardashian, yeah. You totally did. Uh, by the way, that is, it, it, I always think it's Halloween. Every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. 
So, um, so looking into your ancestry is also really big because, you know, to me, I think we spend so much time going, I need therapy. I'm crazy. I'm a mess. I actually think these are all superpowers that we just have to learn like witches to like channel the right way mm-hmm. and, uh, just figure out how to manage and use as tools instead of our default. You know, you don't want your default to be, I'm a people pleaser, but like you want that tool in your back pocket when you're, you know, pitching your company to, Elon Musk, I'm just making this up. You want to be able to go, I'm going to nail this meeting and I can do whatever I have to do to sell this thing. And then you leave and but you don't do that in your relationship. You know, you want it to be a tool you can use um, when it you want to instead of your sort of like general default software, which is why I like to get it's kind of like a software update for your brain to go like, oh, wait a second. I don't have to go to that bridal shower if I don't want to. I don't have because we have a lot of that. Women do a lot of like. Well, I have to go to this party and then I have to go to this bridal shower and then I have to go to the baby shower. And then, I, and then I'm like, what do you think's going to happen if you don't go? You don't have to. Right. It's very liberating when you say no to something. Like they're going like, to cancel it? Like, do you think right. they're going to cancel it? But it's hard because we go, well, I have to go. And I'm like, and then you just go, why? Well, she's my good friend. And I'm like, well, she, if she's your good friend, would she want you to come if you couldn't or it put you out or you would be distracted or would it'd be my nightmare if I invited you to something and you were like, I have to go to that. And then you showed up and I'd be like, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, we think we're martyr- doing all these favors, but we're really kind of martyring ourselves just to sort of stay in our childhood circumstances of the chaos we saw. Because I did see a mom that was very frazzled and I learned like, oh yeah, you leave five minutes before you have to be somewhere. Like you <laughs> eat in the car, you eat or, you know, you put yourself last. Like you have two artichokes in the fridge and that's it. Like you're always on a rush. And I can look right. back now, though, another thing the program does is make us like look back gently on our primary caretakers and go like, she did what she had to do. I don't have to do it that way anymore. We have the Internet. Yeah. We have Amazon. We don't have to be as frazzled. <laughs> Mom had to go to grocery stores and write like and I can look at it as she was killing it, like she was juggling a lot. Not mm-hmm. she was like a total mess, but I don't have to do it that way, you know, right. and also, a couple little things. I mean, I could just read you the thing, um, the checklist. It's like we feel alive in a time of crisis. I'll find it. I'll find it. But if you just look up codependent, yeah, codependent ACA, look up the laundry list. It's wild. Well, the thing that you also said was like the perfectionists and like, I think that also translates in like eating habits and you also talked about that, like with your, with body dysmorphia or like just, and the control with eating and we, I I had disordered eating growing up and I think only just kind of, well, we are on a podcast called Diet Stars Tomorrow. So (laughs) it's a thing that like, I always just thought it was like a control part of my personality. But when you talked about it, it's like, oh my God, all these things connect in a way that I didn't realize and it makes a lot of sense. And then I had this like moment of just like relief because I was like oh it's it's, just, it's a thing it's not a big deal <laughs> it's just the thing God. that I can just like kind of you know address but like it makes my personality sort of make so much sense <laughs> it doesn't define me like I like to look at things like this as like you know I was talking to someone last night about this about like behaviors you know we're in this moment in time where women and their bodies and their choices are um uh something that I think we all kind of want to talk about and yeah the key to this is like codependence gives you a choice like you go because sometimes you go here are my choices either I have to go home and get in a huge fight with my family every holiday which is what we do or (laughs) you don't see any choice in it you know what I mean you go like I have to go and stay for four days in my parents house and we're just gonna fight the whole time and then you're able to go like okay well 
is there a spectrum of things you is there another choice? Could you stay at a hotel? Could you just go for two hours a day? Could you let them know ahead of time? Hey, I'll be there for dinner and I'll probably have to head out around nine to manage. You know, we can actually do things to minimize chaos. And we try to like go, what can I do to not be just like ripped around by all the people in my life that, you know, need so much from me instead of just, you know, allowing them to take every ounce of energy I have. I'm just going to be able to protect my energy and go, you know what? I have a choice in this. I can leave if I want to. I can quit if I want to. I can get out of this relationship if I want to, you know? And so that's something that is like what it's all about. I have a choice if I want, um, you know, to let this eating thing run my life, you know? And I think it's a matter of just figuring, getting the tools to put yourself first. And I know that sounds really vague, but I promise it, it will change your life. And so for me, I found myself in bad relationship after bad relationship because I didn't know my own worth. I was also terrified of intimacy. I also thought love was you just take care of the other person all the time and then kind of Mm -hmm. secretly resent them. (laughs) And I found myself recreating my childhood circumstances, attracted to people that had the negative qualities of my primary caretaker, et cetera, et cetera. And so to me, I also realized like I want to break this cycle and I am almost I feel like I'm close. Like it ends with me. You know, I think our ancestors went through nightmares every like did horrible things, had horrible things done to them. And the cycle can stop with us, you know, and uh, I was not ready to have a kid because a lot of people go like I have all this love in my heart and I I just want to have kids, you know, and I think a lot of people are like, why don't you have kids yet? And I'm like, well, I want to just I don't want to pass this on Mm -hmm. because I don't think my mom gave it wanted me to have this. I don't think my dad. No one wants their kid, you know, to have uh, low self-worth and low self-esteem. You just, that's what you learned. That's what you were programmed with, you know? So I'm just super vocal about, you know, the fact that I am not having kids yet until I'm absolutely going to be the most badass mom on the planet. I'm not going to let any of my default software brainwash them into thinking that they're, you know, not worth, you know, or can't accomplish everything that they want and have the toolbox that they need. But I'm just talking about it because I've struggled for the longest time about finding, um, a birth control that will work for me that is like not a procedure that is covered by insurance and that is basically you have it for the entire year you only have to go to the gynecologist once a year yeah that's and great. it's it's called anavera it's like we also don't realize there's we have to do like edits on our life the hard things are allowed to be hard but the easy things shouldn't be hard making mm-hmm. the easy things easy is a form of self-care so for me i didn't realize like i did an edit on my life how much time I was running around dealing with just having this birth control pill. You know, it was one of the main stresses of my life was, oh my God, what if I get pregnant and this happens? And, you know, I feel like that stress would be even more on me if I was, you know, uh, living in certain parts of the country that really don't want women to have a lot of options, you know? So here's a solution that really worked for me and has improved my quality of life. And it has given me the ability to go, you know what? I'm not ready yet. I'm not going to do that. And I can also take it out whenever I want. If I want to freeze my eggs, if I want to freeze embryos, because people are women planning their twenties and thirties and planning their lives. Like you have to think about this stuff. And if, you know, you don't have a birth control that's reversible and procedure free, like you, you don't have a ton of control over your fertility in the way that you kind of think you do. Cause you have to Go get the procedure, have it taken out, wait for your cycle to start again, you know? Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. No, this is really interesting. I also like, I I never heard of it and until us talking and I wished like after I just had a baby. Do you want me to show it to you? I'm kidding. (laughs) Let me see. (laughs) 
to be a gyno appointment, a <laughs> podcast turned gyno. Yeah, I just, I had a baby and like they, six weeks or whatever in the postpartum, they were like. You have to go birth control right <laughs> six, well, the second you pop well, that were, thing out. Yeah, they, they were like, you have to go back. You have to go on birth control. What do you want to go back on? And I'm like, I don't even know. My like life is upside down right now. Like, I don't know when I want to have the next kid. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, you have to then get off of it again. And and, and then they're like, oh, my, my, mo- my mom's actually OBGYN. She was like, why don't you put, why don't you do like one of the other things? And I was like, it's just too much info. I don't, but I also, I didn't have a good experience with those. Same, I'm not on it. <laughs> yeah, the pill for me, first of all, I find it very patronizing. I'm like, why, why is there a calendar? It's the only medicine with a calendar. <laughs> like, we're so dumb. We're going to forget. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a little advent calendar. Like, we're, and they have to do the sugar pills because like, you're too dumb to know when to take. Like, and then if you don't take it at exactly the right time, it's like I get headaches. I, and then you have an alarm going off during a meeting. Oh, sorry. I got to take my birth control pill. Excuse me. Like, there's no That's cool crazy. way to do it. I think that right now, you know, this conversation about reproductive rights, it's also going in with like, okay, so here's something preventative. How do we arm women with this information? Something that's easy. Most women cannot go to the gynecologist every month. Most people cannot go to the pharmacy every single, it's it's too much work, you know? Yeah. It's expensive. So this is, you go one time, totally annual. You can reverse it whenever you want. Totally procedure free. And I think that th- that birth controls like this being available is, you know, look, there's a lot more work to do in our country in terms of, you know, but- it's a step and this whole thing where no one talks about vaginas because right. it's like this is what's keeping everything in the shadows and what's keeping us having less of a voice and less power. So right. I'm always running my mouth about. <laughs> and I like how you don't apologize for it. That's, uh, that's the other thing. It's like I know you're doing a campaign with it where it's like mm-hmm. stopping apo- or apologizing. Well, this started with things. you saying when you're late, you, you know, I think exactly. women, were does, we are wired to apologize you know, constantly, you know, everyone knows that person. I used to be that person. It's like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. It's like, do you think I'm going to hit you? Like, what? <laughs> like until you've stopped doing it, you don't realize how insane you come off or how deeply it's programmed in ourselves. I mean, thousands of years ago, we had, sorry, 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 that like that increased our chances of survival. It was probably like a man was going about to kill us. So I doing well, it's it. It's like a people pleasing thing in a way. It's also for a, sure. It, it's a tick. It's like also... But in terms of like our bodies as women, we got this honestly in terms of apologizing for our bodies, our vaginas, what it Mm -hmm. looks like, if it's shaved, if it's not shaved, how it smells, your boobs not being big. Like, I mean, in my 20s, every time I had sex, I mean, the light, the lights were off, pitch black. But I'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry, I don't have it. Sorry, sorry. And it just was like, what am I doing? Like, who did this to me? Whose voice is this? Like, where did all of this come from that I need to be shaved and douched and I have one ingrown hair and I have to like spend the whole day, you know, sloughing my body. I mean, just the, sh- the the inherited shame, but also the fact that we are taught to apologize for asking questions. I mean, even when you go to a gynecologist, you're spending money to be there. You're like, sorry, one more thing. Sorry, one more. Can I just ask one? Seriously? Like, yes. Sorry. <laughs> and it's just sort of like when they came to me, you know, I have a lot of companies come to me and they want to do stuff. And I'm like, you, you don't really want to work with me. Like, I, you think you do, but like... I won't promote this. <laughs> I'm just saying like, this is for real. Yeah. And when they're like, oh no, yeah. like, I'm not going to work with a, you know, a birth control company if you can't say the word vagina. Because normally it's like, can you say tulip? Oh can my you God, say yes. hot pocket? Can just, <laughs> the word vagina, I used to get in so much trouble for, but I'm like, I'm not going to stop saying this word because like, this is how women get medical care. You have to be able to say the medical word vagina 
to a right. doctor because you're in the gyno and you're like, so is my my hoo-hoo okay? Like, why can't we? It's so bizarre to me that this is still a word that is like off limits. I know. And there's like all these like cutesy words around it. Like Ugh. your flower, your flower, <laughs> your deep flower. Flower. I, like, wh- are you, what child is this? What are you, what child are you talking to? Like, I'm a grown adult. Like, you right. know, so I think that just this kind of, um, I'm always interested in any, you know, um, anyone that wants to help dismantle the sort of shame we have about our bodies and is really going to put out there, like, you know, someone that's like, because yeah. do you remember when we were kids, like, um, tampon commercials and pads commercials, they would, you know, we got all our education from TV and like yeah. commercials, you know, to see if we were normal. And they would pour blue liquid into a pad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like imagine my surprise when I finally had my period. I was like, what? Why is it red? <laughs> like there's so much. Why doesn't it look like Windex? <laughs> Why? It just- <laughs> hundred percent. Like, what is this? Like, yeah. we're adults. Like, we know, we all know it's red. Like, you know, so I think right. that just this um, shame and fear in this space, I was just really excited that a new company came along that had something that was like actually making women's lives easier and um, was the real deal and walked the walk and wasn't, you know, like, can you say that this is going to make it so your hoo-ha has a ha-ha? I'm like, yeah, let's be adults. I don't want a baby coming out of my vagina. Until I'm ready. That's the campaign. Not yet. (laughs) And I'm not sorry about it. Well, I want to play a little game before we close out. It's called, what would you say instead of sorry? So these are scenarios. Okay. And some are your fault. Some do warrant an apology. Oh, I love this. I love this. I love this because I also have a big, uh, a lot of like go-to saying. So a thing with like being late, I have a thing that's like, Thank you, you for your patience. You know my character. <laughs> I can't stand when people are late because it it's a way of saying my time's more important than yours. But I know you will for, I know you will forgive me and I'm gonna release this. You said I that forgive out loud? you, you forgive <laughs> me, I forgive myself. And then it's okay. over. No more. Okay. Life's too well, short. Okay. Situation one. You bump into someone walking down the street and they drop their coffee on the ground. Do you say sorry? <laughs> I used to be that Because here's the other thing. It's yeah. like, or you're being indirect. Like, well, okay. First of all, nothing is worse than when you do a fake apology that's just like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And they accept it. Right. <laughs> Thank you know, you. they're like, you're good. I'm like, wait, no, I didn't mean it. It was just, I was like, I have ancestral trauma and I'm a woman. So I just say sorry all the time. I didn't really, don't accept my apology, weirdo. <laughs> like, that's when you realize, like, this is a weird performance. But yeah. also, like, you can say, like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Can I help you? Mm-hmm. Or did right. they splash on me? Let's say they splashed a little on you, but they didn't say sorry. This happened to me literally yesterday. Uh-huh. I had um, my dad was staying here and he spilled some water. I mean, coffee, like, on the floor, like, and it got on the walls. Wood floors. And I, like, wood floors, yeah, and the wall, the white walls. And I ran to get paper towels and I was helping them clean up. And I was like, I'm sorry. And they're like, what are you sorry for? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, and then it, it's been burned in my brain. And like, this is all just like coming full circle. This is like, you have come to me in like the perfect time. And I was can like, I you need to do stop a, apologizing. Can you do a 30 days, no apologizing? Um, and it's, let, unless let you've done something 15. Yeah, yeah, but, but you do, the idea is like, it takes 28 days to make a new neural pathway, but you don't have to make it. It just helps you. It's like, you can have a little rubber band on your, your, um, 
I usually have these on for when I'm trying to break a habit, you know, like if I say sorry and I shouldn't. And just so you have a little bit of negative reinforcement and then but right. tell everyone around you like, hey, guys, I'm working on this thing where I'm trying to um, not apologize. Not apologize. Yeah. So could you just like if you see me do it, could you just give me like a a little wink and a nod just as because I want to be held accountable because yeah. I really want to change this habit. I'm going to try myself. it. I'm going to try it. It just makes you realize how much you do it. You don't have to make, don't be perfectionist. You don't have to get the 30 days. Like it just, I I didn't get five seconds. (laughs) Okay, next one. Someone calls you out for being too loud while you're on the phone in public. Ooh, here's the one thing. I would never be on the, I'm very rarely on the phone in public because it drives me nuts when people are, because I have really sensitive hearing. I have misophonia. People, I would say you're right. (laughs) <laughs> I hate yeah. when people do this. I would I would and say you wouldn't I, apologize. I think I would go. I think I would say I am sorry. I hate when yeah. people do this, too. I apologize. I'll go stand over here. That is something I think I'm <laughs> big on manners. Though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, is that part of the codependency thing? I don't know. Well, yeah, it depends on your <laughs> motives. So if right. you're going like, sorry, that's unfair because you, a lot of times we use nice words to manipulate people like you, like I'm obsessed when with when the word I love you turns into fuck you it's like well i love you so could you just do that well i love you so why like that's you're using that phrase but that's not what you're saying love you you're trying like when um sometimes it's shut up you know okay i love you i love you okay i love you you're like no you're trying to tell me to shut up that's not your so sorry sometimes we use it hey sorry to bother you when we're really not to try to see you know what i'm saying so it's like it's a word that can be weaponized but I don't think I've ever done that. Like, I just, I reserve my love views. But when it comes to, like, talking loudly, and I get so uncomfortable when other people are speaking very loudly. And then, like, I look at everybody around me who's uncomfortable, and then I feel Big. uncomfortable for so them. So you get, you'll, you take on secondhand embarrassment. Yes. Oh, you my take God. On, you take on cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely, yeah. <laughs> have you done your family constellation or, like, ancestry stuff? <laughs> I have 23 in me. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, who did I just sell my blood to? <laughs> Wait, don't you spit in it? They you they blood? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Oh God, are you sure this wasn't it's 24 in me? <laughs> you're like, this is 23andMe.net, right? <laughs> my mom sent me, she was she was signing up for TSA pre-check and she sent me a thing. She's like, they're asking me way too many questions like about my job and what my company's name is. And she sends me the thing and she was, it was like pre-TSA.com. And I'm like, mom, this is a scam. This is a scam. And I was like, oh my God. She didn't, she didn't press submit, thank God. But I looked up like TSA and it's like the second thing that comes up under the gov. I was like, this Whoa. is bullshit. Anyway, yeah. sorry for calling you out, mom. Okay, one more. <laughs> we love I'm going to do one more. You call your doctor for the fourth time because you have another question. What do you say instead of, I'm sorry? Do I have to pay for these calls? Like, am <laughs> I, have I paid, I've paid no, this person. You, you will, you go to a, but you don't pay for phone calls. Like, you know. I don't think I've ever talked to my doctor on the phone. Who is your doctor? <laughs> on the phone? Is that an option? <laughs> Well, you can, yeah. Well, you could talk to a pediatrician on the phone a lot, but I've only learned that recently. But huh. I guess an OBGYN or like one of those people, if, if you have yeah, yeah, issues. I'll, you know what I'll do? Here's the thing, though, because someone busy like that, honestly, I will at this point. Um, you will say sorry, this game I sucks. will. No, I actually won't. Here's why. Because okay. I know how busy they are. And sometimes 
my thing is when someone is truly trying to make sure they don't waste your time, sometimes they really waste your time by apologizing. And I'm like, by the time you apologize for wasting my time, you could have just asked me. Right. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's like a little bit self-serving or just this like obsolete, really useless, like tactic in a way that where nobody wins. So Mm -hmm. I will with people that are that busy where I don't feel that I'm overstepping. um, I will just be super direct because when I apologize for wasting someone's time, I'm just wasting more of their time. So it's like when people are like, can I ask you a question? I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, you could have asked me by now. Yeah, I think that like sometimes apologies are so much more meaningless than like actually acknowledging what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like just I know that your time is very, very important. And I just have one more question and I'm. it's going to take two seconds. But- sure. And then I also I never ask people anything that I could Google. Now, medical information, I'm sure their nightmares. Please don't Google any of this. But if they go, oh, hey, um, you know, like uh, this would never happen. But if you're on with your gynecologist and you're like, oh, take dexotriamethanine, you know, <laughs> I would never write back. Is that real? What's the uh, what is that? Or, you know, what I would right. Google it. Do you know what I'm right, saying? Right. So there's sometimes like people will ask questions that are easily Googleable, And that's when you're actually wasting someone's time. So don't apologize because you're not sorry. Hey, sorry. Mm-hmm. But like, what's it called again? You could have Googled it. You know what I mean? Or a lot of the times, thank you can be a good replacement for I'm sorry, actually. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. One last one. You're in a meeting with your boss who's giving you feedback and you can't help but cry out of frustration. Yeah. Just generally cry apologizing for crying Mm -hmm. is a female thing. What do you, what's, what's your advice? Here? I would say, first of all, your criticism is incorrect. Um, and <laughs> Everything no, you just I, said is wrong. <laughs> I would remove myself from the situation because uh, for me, crying, like I just, no one, if it's hysterical, it's historical. This isn't only about the boss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something else is coming up, like criticism growing up or not feeling like you got your parents love a certain way or, you know, so I would say, you know, look, I have some emotion coming up. It is, you know, I have some family stuff going on. Whatever it is, I, I mean, I do have family stuff. And I'm like, I never quite know when emotion's going to come up. Do you mind if I just remove myself for like 20 minutes, just like regroup, and we can do this in another time that works for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Because sometimes when I stand up for myself, I get even more emotional. Yes, and if I try too. not to cry, it gets so much worse. And then in that situation, no one's winning because – Ideally, this feedback could be helpful, even if you don't keep working at this place, this meeting is going to change your life, even if this person is totally wrong. And you go, that meeting of that guy that gave me feedback or girl that was total bullshit is what inspired me to quit and start my own company. Like, this is an important meeting. Or you're going to learn a lot about yourself with like, whoa, a lot of emotion comes up when someone gives me feedback. Like, what? I have to learn to get feedback. Like, that's a Mm -hmm. big part of our, you know, we have to learn to receive it and we have to learn how to give it. And if you don't see people giving it poorly when it's your turn, You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to know how to do it better. So this is a really important meeting. But I think that, like, if someone thinks less of you because you remove yourself because emotion comes up, they're just an asshole, you know. But you can can take control of yourself. And because I know that if I stayed in there, I would just be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed. I'd be apologizing forever. And (laughs) we all deserve the right to be dignified. And we all have that option of, like, you know what, I just need to excuse myself for, like, 10, 15 minutes. I just need to step out. I need to get a glass of water. I need, like, we can take care of ourselves. We don't have to just be held captive by yeah. uh, um, other people because it's also like, I always, when I'm like, I need to just go for a walk real quick. And it's like, well, you're just, 
my work will be better. Everything will be better. Like I know I'm making the right choice for everyone. And sometimes we wait around for other people to tell us to do the right thing for us. Mm-hmm. We wait that's for them. Right. So so it's like if 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 um, I'm crying to my boss that's giving me feedback in my head, I'm like, I wish he would just like go like, do you want do you need a second? Do you need it? He's never going to say that. She's never going to say that. No one's ever going to know what we need. Only we know what we need. And, you know, and then they'll go, are you OK? And you'll go, I'm fine. Now you're just lying. You know, so it's the I like as mm-hmm. soon as something like that happens, I'll be like, can I just pause real quick? I just need to excuse myself. I will be right back. No one yeah. can be mad at you for taking care of yourself. If they are, they're just an asshole. And then you don't have to live with shame or embarrassment or, you know, right. you get to have dignity and grace. I like it. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. This is so much fun to talk to you. I again. hope it wasn't boring. Sometimes talking about codependence is so freaking boring, but people <laughs> I'm love not to bored. hear about it. It's so interesting just because this is the first I don't I, this is the first time I've heard about it like being called something. So something that I thought was a different mean that had a different meaning. So that's like that's why it's interesting. I'm a new woman. Where can people follow you, catch your show, do all of the things? Yes, you can go to WhitneyCummings.com. Um, uh, for Annavera, you can go to AnnaVera.com. And uh, yeah, I'm just Google me. Google me, Google bitch. Me. Google me, Google <laughs> bitch. And you can follow me at Aileen and you can follow at Die Stars Tomorrow and you can email us DST at Betches.com to get all of your questions and hopes, dreams, concerned, answered. And we're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.